0: Bat. Bone, bat, bone, bat, bone, bat, bone,
1: bat. It's time for the Bone Bat Podcast, where you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone bat. It'll rip your ears off. What's up everybody welcome to episode 114 of the bone bat show this is steve and this is going how's it going man sticky sticky why are you sticky after last episode's (laughs) intro honestly i'm afraid to ask
2: (laughs) it's not from that (laughs) okay all right so i i've got this problem this special problem apparently that other people don't have you say it's never happened to you just the one problem well, this one specifically, and I don't i don't know, it just keeps happening to me, I guess. I blew up another can of soda. <laughs> okay, so how did this occur? And this is going to come as a shock to no one. I was inside the nugget.
1: <laughs> All your greatest adventures
2: happen in that grocery store. Yeah, that grocery store. I have to wear a disguise to shop there now. Don't, <laughs> I don't even know, you know. The last time we discussed my explosive can situation, I had dropped a can, I think, you know, six to eight inches. So, sure, that kind of impact, what do you expect? This time, I swear to God, I was shopping. I was, as our listeners know, I have a hell of a time in the store. Sometimes it's just overwhelming. My poor, tortured brain can't handle it. And this was one of those days. I had the dark sunglasses on. I had the headphones on. I'm just trying to pay attention to my tunes. I'm trying to pay attention to what I'm trying to buy. And I got to the point in my shopping trip where I got to the ginger ale. I picked up the ginger ale and I set it. Note the verb I'm using, set. Set it in my shopping cart. One of the cans just pinged the side <laughs> of the shopping cart as it went down. And boosh! It shoots just this sticky stream everywhere. But mostly it's spraying out sideways and it's just hosing down all the single-serving drinks that they've got set up in, in the refrigerated case. Don't make a mess on the side where it's boxes. No, it's the side where it's all these individual cans and bottles, and it's just hosing them down, and I'm staring at it just dumbfounded, like, how is this even happening again instead of like, trying to stop it from making a bigger mess? And after a, a few beats of that, I, I realized... This isn't cool to be standing here watching the soda fountain going on. So I grab the sixer and I turn it so now it's hosing facing down, which means (laughs) it's nowhere hosing the floor. It's not doing as much damage over as large an area but it's guaranteeing that 100 percent of the can is going to be emptied <laughs> onto the floor
1: what would have been awesome is if you would have nonchalantly walked over and picked up like the wet mess sign from another area and moved <laughs> and moved it right there and just like pushed your card on whistling <laughs> that would have been shit
2: hot the thing is, I actually wear one of those now when I go shopping.
0: <laughs> it
2: just says "Cuidado, piso mojado" on the back <laughs> and the front. It says "Caution: Wet Floor."
1: I always thought that would have been like a bitchin' dance number. Oye,
2: cuidado, piso mojado. mojado.
1: <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? That would be like the most cool dance song ever. I don't know why someone hasn't done that. Make that happen, somebody. Make, yeah, somebody needs somebody to at least musical, start a song musical that way. talent. Not yeah. Death Star
2: shit. <laughs> no God, no. <laughs> That's my life. A more sticky explosive tragedy in the nugget market.
1: I'm sorry to hear that, my friend. It's just the way it is. Well, the good news is we've got a great show lined up to get you out of your sticky funk. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna take more than that. I don't think it will. Our musical guest tonight is the one, the only green jello. Nice. Yes, I have been listening to Green Jello, then Green Jelly, all the way back since the Serial Killer VHS tape came out. When I first saw the Three Little Pigs video on like MTV or something, and I just thought that was the funniest, coolest shit. Went out and bought the video, saw them live very shortly after that. In the meantime, they've had a long and storied career, and I'm just thrilled to be able to feature their music on the show. So, first off, uh, opening the show... We had the tune "Rooster Jowls" by Green Jello from their 2009 album "Music to Insult Your Intelligence." By, there's going to be a lot more coming up throughout the show, so I
2: hope you dig it. I dig it.
1: And uh, of course, we're going to have a big section of information on the film festival. We'll be announcing. Oh, it's going to
2: be huge.
1: We've got to announce all the shorts officially here on the show. We're going to talk about all of our sponsors. We're going to talk about our first feature. The Comedy of Horrors Film Festival is going to be freaking great, and you're going to learn all about it right here in this episode.
2: So, Whether you want to or not. Stay tuned.
1: In the meantime...
2: Yeah, which is a groovy time. Gordon, my good friend. Yes, sir, Steve, my good friend. What is it that pisses you off this week? (laughs) Oh, you mean besides my exploits in the grocery store yes what else what else is annoying you? here this is what's annoying me i got one of those telephone calls political survey and since i live in a place that is not a battleground state i was pretty excited because i don't get these very often sometimes i get the breathless republican variety which isn't really a survey it's just a fundraising tactic where they go would you rather obama steal your children in the night or rape your <laughs> wife during the afternoon you know, and send us money. And those aren't any fun, but this was like a legit call where they're trying to hone their political message and figure out which messages resonate better and which issues. And so I was kind of psyched. But the person that was calling me couldn't speak the language that I speak. I don't even know what la- They couldn't pronounce any of the candidates' names.
0: <laughs> Jesus.
2: And so, like, I'm getting, are you more likely to vote for, and then it's just gobbledygook. I was like, how are you even getting any kind of useful data from this? Because no one knows what you're talking about, political person. Huh. And it wasn't like I'm on the wrong list and I had someone calling me speaking a different language. This was like one of those made-up accents, almost like Serge in Beverly Hills Cop. Remember that guy? <laughs> like an espresso with oh. a twice. <laughs> what did you just, just say? How do you feel about the Sierra Club? I'm like, the the, the Sierra Club? What's what's a Sierra? The Sierra Club. The Sierra Club? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So not the most effective survey. No, not an effective survey, and I feel like I didn't really, I may not have been able to do my part to nudge democracy in the direction I wanted to. Item two that pisses me off on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, I have been playing World of Tanks lately. (laughs) Okay. On the Xbox, which is a fun game, and I like it. I
1: recall you discussing that in MultiMedia Triage last
2: episode. Yeah, that's right. Our friends WarGaming.net—they have a number of uh, games out there. And this is one of them. It's the first one on the Xbox, so I'm psyched to play it. But the thing is, as much as I like playing games online, I really don't like having to play with other people unless I'm shooting them. <laughs> right. And this is a team game, so you got people on your team, and people I've discovered. Generally, have their microphones on.
1: Yes, and ninety-eight
2: percent of the time, they should not be allowed to have a microphone. <laughs> it's like it's the like microphone. Many people necessarily... have said that
1: about us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's now, kind of I ironic. <laughs> I need this
2: microphone. <laughs> but like, whereas you and I use a microphone as a piece of hardware to do a podcast, a communication device. The hardware that they're using it as is just a piece of electronics to piss me off. There's the sole function of it. 50%, 60% maybe of the people using it used for nothing but a feedback loop. So you just hear what their TV is saying, repeating back what you've heard, and it's just fuzz and noise. There are a small section of people that use their microphone for yelling at their children. <laughs> okay. Which always makes sense when I'm playing like it. One o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. Why are you yelling at a kid that sounds like he's maybe six, seven? What is he doing up? (laughs) Another section, and I don't understand this one either. Spanish language radio. (laughs) Okay. They, They got the microphone on and there's Spanish language radio. No communication. No, hey, tanks, turn left. Hey, tanks, turn right. It's just that. Last night was a good one. They apparently had another television in the room. The microphone was pointed at the other television, which was doing some sitcom. <laughs> okay. So as you know, as you're playing the game, you're forced to listen to this until you can like go through the menus to mute people. And then there's just the random noise generators. I didn't even know. Look, if you're not going to use your mic to communicate about the game, maybe even, you know, talk amongst yourselves about whatever is on your mind. Don't use it. Just just turn it off. Unplug it. You're not using it. You don't need it. We don't need to hear you. You're pissing me off. <laughs> what's pissing you off, Steve? You know what
1: pisses me off? The, no, this is something that I, I, I just realized pisses me off after many years in hiatus. Have you ever got tuna fish hiccups? Is that the name of a band? No. It could be, though. But specifically, hiccups from tuna fish sandwiches.
2: <laughs> a, I don't eat tuna fish sandwiches. B... No, never.
1: The other day, for lunch, I'm eating a tuna fish sandwich. I make a pretty mean one, I may add. I chop up a little green onion, uh, maybe a little pickle relish or some dill pickle, some celery, a little Old Bay seasoning, maybe a shot of sriracha. It's good stuff. Wouldn't so, it just be simpler to take two slices of bread and put them on a can of cat food? No. It's, okay. it's a delicious sandwich. But here's the thing. I'm eating my sandwich and I got the hiccups. And I, like, had this flashback sense memory of, like, going fishing with my dad when I was a kid. And my mom would always make tuna sandwiches that we put in the ice chest. And almost every time, I'd eat the tuna sandwich, and I'd get hiccups. (laughs) And I I just realized, holy shit, that's, like, a thing. And I happened to be sitting in front of the computer, so I Googled it. And a lot of other people have the same thing. Now, I don't know why this is. I don't know if it's because... Tuna fish, when it's in a gloppy ball like it is, it's easy to, like, take too big of a bite. And so it impedes your airway or whatever and gives you the hiccups. Or if it's something intrinsic to tuna. But it's totally a thing. It happens to other people. And I've just realized it's happened to me since I was, like, a little kid. Tons of times I've gotten tuna fish hiccups. It's crazy. What
2: about ahi? If you have, like, a slice
1: of tuna, a steak. I don't know. I can't recall a time because I've done like, you know, where we've gotten, uh, say, uh, salmon and I cook salmon on the grill and I have leftover salmon the next day. And I might use that in the exact same treatment that I would tuna fish. And I don't recall ever getting hiccups because of that.
2: This is the weirdest thing I've heard you say in at least a week. I know,
1: right? Which seems, well, where else are we going to talk about it right here on the show? This is where weird stuff comes out. So no, yes. I got
2: hiccups from like hot peppers sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, never. Usually I drink something too fast or I, I don't know how I get hiccups. Sometimes it's not because of anything, but I'll just get the hiccups watching TV or whatever. But definitely tuna fish more times than any other food or drink item that causes me to get hiccups. And I don't know why, but it pisses me off. can a guy eat a tuna fish sandwich in peace without getting
2: hiccups? That's bullshit. I guess not. Maybe you should stop eating tuna fish sandwiches. But they're delicious. They're grotesque. No, they're not. That
1: is a tasty sandwich. You think a lot of things are grotesque. Well, wait. Is the reason that you don't like tuna fish tied into your mayonnaise thing? Oh, God. You've just made something bad worse. Because I know you don't like mayonnaise. Oh, yeah. you got to put mayonnaise in tuna fish.
2: Oh, Lord. Give it a little moisture. No, my mom would try to foist off tuna fish sandwiches on me as a kid. And the only way I could make them palatable is when I got her to discontinue the mayonnaise and make it with, like, mustard or I don't even know what else. Maybe she was using olive oil, something like that instead.
0: Huh.
1: That's weird, though, because tuna's a greasy fish anyway, at least if it's packed in oil. I get it packed in water nowadays, but...
2: I heard you get it packed in fudge.
1: <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> You know, before we go to a tune, Gord, okay. one of our See. longtime listeners, Benza from Germany, I was chatting with him the other day, and he wanted to know how your brain's doing. Because you've talked about your concussion. It's been over a year. Do you have an update for the listeners who might be interested as to how you're doing these days? Yeah, sure.
2: I'm a broken husk of a man. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> no, it's, it's a weird thing. Never quite got all the way better. Still gotta take some naps get overwhelmed when i feel too much information fill up my head i can take a nap now or i can take a nap later but it's gonna happen i don't know if i'm ever gonna be right but take a lot of notes make a lot of lists and i have a very understanding spouse who understands that i uh, i have a hell of a time with numbers and uh, i can't be trusted with dates and i'm just kind of uh muddling through life and there's some things that you just got to do like you got to go to the store and buy groceries and so i always budget in an extra half hour 45 minutes afterwards because i figure when i get through it i'm gonna feel crappy and i'm gonna need to just lay down and shut down and uh and try to reboot so as much as i would love to say i'm all better i'm not and uh kind of sucks
1: no i'm sorry to hear that man well, hopefully, well thanks. hopefully the continued healing will uh, will happen, and uh, maybe it'll take another year. and then Maybe be, so. I feel like you know, just I'm better about, than I was a year ago, right.
2: but uh, still, not, uh, <laughs> still not quite right. All right.
1: Well, let's listen to a tune. Okay. Let's do this that. This is from Green Jello's album, the 1992 aforementioned Serial Killer, and the 93 CD, uh, the Serial Killer soundtrack. This is... Obey the cow
3: god! Cow god indeed.
1: let's talk a little bit about green jello since they are cool. the musical guest this episode it formed all the way back in 1981 if you can believe that i didn't hear of them until 1992 so they were happening for a decade before uh they actually caught my attention but uh i wasn't even alive then green jello the brainchild of one bill man was formed in kenmore new york in 1981 they played punk rock shows around the Buffalo area, honing their punk rock puppet show craft until around 1987 when they relocated to Hollywood, California. So again, they've been fine-tuning what they do for close to a decade prior to the 1992 release of Serial Killer. You know, it's interesting because to me, Green Jello certainly was one of the most fucked with bands in history when you think about it. Initially, they were Green Jello. They got sued by Kraft, as the story has it, for the uh, Jello name. They had to change the name of the band to Green Jell-E. And, right, you know, right
2: there, how many bands do you know of that have been sued by a food company?
1: I know, and that's not the only one. In their song, Serial Killer, the chorus of which is Toucan, Son of Sam, they got sued by Kellogg's as well. <laughs> Man. So they had to change that. And then... I don't know if this is true, but on their Wikipedia page, it says they even got sued by uh, Metallica as well because they used a little bit of the Inner Sandman riff on a tune. Wow. So just like constantly people are fucking with this band and to have the, the fortitude to stick with it and still be around today, I think is certainly something that's admirable. So in 1992, they released Serial Killer, and it was actually a VHS tape. With music videos for all these songs. In the following year on Zoo Records, they released the soundtrack, so it was all those songs in the exact same recordings as a CD. And, uh 1994, they came out with their second album on Zoo Records, I believe, called 333, which had some very cool songs like Orange Crunch is on it and uh, The Bear Song, which you will hear shortly. I gotta play that one because it's got a great solo in it. And, uh, They continued to tour and play until about 1995. And then Cthulhu-like, they slumbered for about 15 years. What's up with that? I don't know, man. I guess the stars weren't right. They finally came back in 2008, started touring again. Uh, Bill Manspeaker, the front man and driving force behind the band from that point on, he got a new band together, uh, started touring again. In 2009, they released Music to Insult Your Intelligence by... And since then, they've been touring around the nation. So one of the interesting things, as I've gathered, is that the band now, he has basically franchise bands around the nation. So he doesn't tour with a band per se. He brings the puppet heads and himself, and he goes to these different places and plays with a different band each time.
2: Wow, that's an interesting business model. I wonder how he thought that up.
1: I'm not sure. And additionally, they book all of their shows through Facebook. He posted recently that they booked the entire year of 2014 strictly by Facebook and people who are interested in seeing the band. They're going to be playing here in Seattle on April 4th, a couple of five days after this show hits at El Corazon. So go check them out because they're a fantastic live show, really fun. One of the best concerts I ever saw was in 1992 at the Palace Ballroom in Hollywood. Green Jello opened for the Dickies, and That's great. to this day, one of the most memorable shows I've ever seen. The highlights were their version of Obey the Cow God on that night was just epic. It was so much fun. Mosh Pit going crazy. They're just killing it. The stage is chock full of people in puppet suits and costumes, just going crazy, and having a great time, and then <laughs> the Dickies came out, and... Leonard did an extended version of If Stuart Could Talk with a Penis Hand Puppet. <laughs> and he just kept going on and on and on about all the things that Stuart was saying. I'm blind. Ah, I can't see. I don't have any eyes? <laughs> it was fantastic. It's just one of those most fun evenings where I was just grinning for like three hours straight. Too much fun. So definitely worth seeing live. You've got to check out Green Jello. Anyway, I also understand that Bill is starting to teach classes on how to make puppets out of, like, the foam and colored duct tape that you can buy at, say, Home Depot. That that's the kind of materials that he uses to make the costumes and puppets for green jello. And so he's going to be teaching classes on how to do that. I just love the idea of homegrown punk rock puppet shows that will be popping up all over the nation as he's teaching kids how to do these things that he's come up with over the years. That seems really exciting to me. That's pretty cool. One of the fun things as we speak to different independent musicians on the Bone Bat Show is the different ways there are to skin a cat. And it seems to me that Bill has found his own niche. And it was also cool, like, they played at Nerdapalooza last year. So a band that was kind of lumped in with the metal crowd... But kind of went their own way to see them embraced by the nerdy groups. I think that's really cool, too. Yeah, because that's a special kind of nerd, the whole puppet nerd thing. Unfortunately, we were not able to connect with Bill for an interview on the show this episode. Uh, Green Jello, as you can imagine, is constantly touring, so we couldn't make that happen, but... I would like to extend an open invitation to Bill because I find his approach to independent music fascinating. I would love to hear his stories about the early years, about his friendship with Guard and the influence they had on him. They were the first band to ever do a soundtrack for a video game. They had an album tabled for 15 years. There are a ton of great stories there that I would love to hear from Bill. So hopefully we can have him on the show down the road so the listeners can hear the Green Jello story from the man himself. On that note, why don't we check out another song from Green Jello? Let's do it. Now, this is one from their latest album, 2009, Music to Insult Your Intelligence By. And one of my favorite titles of all time, Scrody the Clown, a.k.a. The Ballad of Swing Low Scrody. Swing Low
2: Scrody.
3: an umbilical clown Like to ride his scrotum all over town Fun didn't start till his pants went down Now he wears that scrotie crown Scrooty rode up on his horse Saddlebags for his nines of course
0: Oh dear
3: riding, what a sight! Thousands of people turned out that night. The <laughs> Throw this place of of the Late that
0: night The found dead Stretched his
3: own scrotum up and over his head the sack to kick around no more.
1: Once again, that was Green Jello with Scrody the Clown. The Ballad of Swing Low Scrody. <laughs> you can't my, say that without laughing. Maybe allowing. my favorite song title ever. From the album, once again, Music to Insult Your Intelligence by 2009. You can buy that one off iTunes by Green jell You'll need to look it up that way. But, you know, the Y with umlauts makes the O sound, so... It's green jello. You know it. I know it. We all know it. So, dude, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the film festival? We promised it. We may as well do it once again. The uh, Bonebat Comedy of Horrors Film Fest, the fourth iteration, is going to happen on April twenty sixth, two thousand and fourteen, at Central Cinema Theater in Seattle. Why don't we read off the shorts, dude? Hey, let's do that. All right. So here they are, the officially selected shorts for the two thousand and fourteen. Comedy of Horrors Film Fest Kicking things off Olive Branch from the Beta
2: Society From the USA Directed by Beta Society And Lou From Blood Boil Productions in the UK Directed by Stanislava Bouvich
1: Timothy from ESCAC Films in Spain
2: Directed by Mark Martinez Jordan Viva España And then we will go into The Meeting from Canada Directed by Karen Lamb
1: then we have Les Tutos de la Vie, or Life Tutorials, uh, How to Deal with a Serial Killer, from directors Victor Droulet and
2: Norman Jengo. Spoot from Pork Chop Pictures in the UK, directed by Lee Emerson. Division Azul, from Nanook
1: Films and director Sergi Marti,
2: also from Spain. And then we have one of my favorites, Happy Meal Horror. From Dark Vessel and Los Estados Unidos, directed by Rocky Kirby. And that is followed by The
1: Elaborate End of Robert Ebb from Nexus Productions. That one has three directors, Clement Bola, FX Gobi, and Matt Landauer. And it is also from the UK. And it also may have the
2: best costume in the whole thing. Yes, it
1: very well may. It is a wonderful, wonderful short. You know, you may have noticed this year's fest definitely has the most international vibe that we've put together. There are films from everywhere, yes, and I I think it's really cool that we were able to find, you know, ranging a little farther afield, find a little more gems from around the world. That's very
2: cool. And from an English-speaking country, dead dating, bloody cuts, UK. Yeah,
1: you know these guys. These are the guys that did suck a blood. One of my personal favorites from last year. They actually have three shorts in this year's fest because we can't resist what those guys do. Great stuff there.
2: Yeah, UK, and it's directed by Ben Tillett and Jake Cuddy. Then we have a
1: very brief short, Ghost, from Escoria Films. I Uh, believe it's pronounced (laughs) Ghost.
2: It is not. (laughs) Ghost. You got to stay with Spanish and not slip into French. It's not. Ghost from Spain, J. Oscura Najera and Guillaume Sanz, directors. And then Zombiewood from Avocet Productions in the United States, Lauren Pedsky directing. That is another one that has not played much.
1: Can't see it on YouTube. It's going to be really cool to see that in front of a live audience for the first time. Really a wonderful zombie short.
2: Yeah, yeah, that is a good flick, and you got to come see it at ours if you want to see it at all. You know, I'm going to let you
1: double up on this one because I know this next one's one of your favorites.
2: Yay! Who's hungry from, well, originally from CalArts, David Oaks, director, who did a stint at CalArts and then went on to do awesome animation for awesome major movies that you have probably heard of.
1: In addition to having a more international flavor, we definitely have an expanded animation offering this time around. Certainly thanks to you, Gordon is a big fan of the animated stuff, and he worked extra hard to really find great films, and I was consistently surprised by the cool films you found, so,
2: well done. I, I surprised you? Wait, you but did. I I did something well, and that surprised you? Yes. You're an asshole.
1: <laughs> Our next film is Metal Creepers, also from Jay Oscura Najera and uh, Adrian Cardona this time, directors. La Oscura Ceremonia is the website where you can find a bunch of cool horror-related
2: stuff. From Spain. And then our glass figure from Central Reality Pictures in the United States, directed by Patrick Ray. Let's see how your pronunciation is on this one. Oh god, look, I don't speak French. The closest I come to speaking French is I'm married to a woman who can speak it. <laughs> Here we go. Entre Angers et Demon? Angel or Demon, from Imagina Studio in Switzerland. I don't think that was French. I think that was Switzerland. <laughs> I don't think that is, sw- those are Swiss words, but. No, I believe the language is pronounced Switzerland. Switzerland. They make those sticks that you stir drinks with. Switzerd sticks, yes. Those are the ones. I, I yeah, imagine. by uh, Pascal Forney. Next one, another great
1: animated short. Serial
2: Taxi by Paolo Cogliotti from the U.S., And Le tuto de Vie, Life Tutorials, once again, How to Mock Death, from Fantastic Nays Productions in France, with Victor Joulet and Norman Jagot,
1: directing. The Headless Lover, from Generator Films in Denmark, directed by Kim Lisgard That is a film, man, if you are a fan of Creepshow and the 80s homage films that we've played in the past like Cargill's or maybe Vicky the Christine homage this is a killer film for you you will love it
2: yeah that that really is a creep show type film then we've got a, ah, a creepy a really film. really good movie air conditions
1: now that's not to say that the rest of these films aren't really good nah, they're but all crap. air condition <laughs> air conditions was a film that we both
2: watched and were like holy shit that was good yeah, that was one of those, all right, well, that one is in. And there are not very many of those. <laughs> yeah. From Death Blow Productions in the United States, directed by Ryan Oliver. Next up, we've got Hell No from Joe Nicolosi, also from the U.S. And then one of Steve's favorites, <laughs> How Olin Lost His Eye from Ireland, directed by Damien McCarthy. If you liked that nasty, nasty little toe-biting <laughs> movie we had last year, what was that one called? Hungry Hickory. Hungry Hickory, yeah. If you like that, you're going to like this.
1: Same director, man. And you know, it's funny because to this day, like I was at a beer drinking party over the weekend and we were chatting about the film festival and uh, somebody asked, you know, about like uh, directors that were making a repeat appearance. So I said, oh, you know, uh, Bloody Cuts UK is back and we've got some other stuff. Oh yeah, and the guy who did Hungry Hickory back. Oh, <laughs> I still remember that one. Like, that film gave people problems. (laughs) (laughs) That film gave people the creeps, gave them the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, it made them not be able to sleep. That is a terrifying short. So glad to have been able to share that with people. Now, should I announce this one? Because this is one of your favorites, and you chased this one down from afar. This one would have been in the festival last year but we couldn't make contact with the producers. That didn't happen until after last year's fest, and now we can finally make it happen. I think we even talked about it a little bit on the last show.
2: Well, we talked about it obliquely a few times as, you know, a heartbreaking short because we couldn't get it in the fest. Here it is. It's Little Quentin, and this is from the Netherlands. Anarchy Studios and Illustre Productions It's directed by Albert T. Hooft and Paco Vink. And... Uh, this is just absolutely one of my favorites. I'm really, really happy that we finally got this for our film festival.
1: Another film that is a uh, sort of a repeat offender are the folks from Primo Drome, director Gunnar A.K. Jarvstad. This is the same director who brought us Tune for Two, which was a big hit at last year's fest. They've got a brand new film that hasn't played anywhere yet called Best Man. You're gonna
2: love it. <laughs> All right, and then another chunk of animation for you Reaping for Dummies from Norway, directed by Jonas Martin Larsen. Now, this was
1: actually a group of five uh, animation students who did this film together, and this was a, a school project. I was reading a little bit about it, it's very cool. You see, you see everything at this fest, you see stuff that is done by like professional houses in between major films, and you see student films. I mean, anything can make it into this fest, and I think that's one of the other things that makes it great.
2: Speaking of great. Oh, yeah,
1: Brickwall Productions and directors Brian Norton and Antonio Padovan, Jack Attack. Every year we've got a couple of films that are just gore fest, horror, just like you like it, something you can sink your
2: teeth into. Jack Attack is that short. This will probably make at least one person cry.
1: And it's probably going to be voted on a bunch of people's ballots for viewer's choice.
2: I'm predicting that's going to be one of the contenders. And then (laughs) the fourth rule of Gremlins to try to lighten the mood a little after Jack Attack from LowCarbComedy.com in the United States and directed by Zorn Gavajic.
1: (laughs) This film is freaking hilarious. You know the
2: first three rules of Gremlins. There is a fourth rule.
1: I saw it. I, I sent it over. Gord was like, <laughs> yeah, that one's going in. There, Occasionally, you stumble across a film that has that bone bat sensibility, and this is one of them. Crotch level. Don't move. Our final oh. selection from Bloody Cuts UK. This one's directed by Anthony Melton, and it's really a tour de force. An amazing piece of work. From a writing standpoint, a cleverness standpoint, uh, effects standpoint,
2: Yeah, really well done. And then the lo-fi analog wonderfulness, The Dirty Birdie. This is a short you may have seen if you ever went to Spike and Mike's Sick and Twisted Festival of Animation back in the day. This is one of the reasons Steve and I wanted to do our own festival, is because of shorts like this. So just like we brought Lupo the Butcher all those years ago, we're bringing you The Dirty Birdie this time from Stretch Films in the United States, directed by John Dilworth. Great stuff, man. And then to close out the official
1: selections, this is a film I actually stumbled upon two years ago, and I emailed this guy, and I emailed this guy, and this year he finally got back to me. And in addition, he has a new high-def version of this animated short, and it is brief, and it is lo-fi, and it is wonderful. And like it's right to the point. Everything about this short, to me, is perfect. It is a great way to kind of encapsulate the whole film fest. And you are going to love it. All You Need by JB. Also from the U.S. Yeah, and that's it. That's our shorts. That's our shorts. Uh, we got our first feature we just announced last week. Love Bite. That's right. From West End Films and director Andy D. Eminy. It stars Jessica Zor, who you may remember from Piranha 3D. Ed Spiliers, who plays Jimmy in Downton Abbey, uh, Luke Pasqualino, and Timothy Spall, who played uh, Winston Churchill. He's also played Peter Pettigrew in all the Harry Potter films. So it actually has an amazing cast, and it is essentially a teen sex comedy smashed into a werewolf picture. Or a werewolf
2: picture smashed into a teen sex
1: comedy. Takes place at a seaside carnival in a resort town, There is werewolf madness, there are teenage hijinks left and right. If you like stuff like Deadheads and other films that have a very warm comedic bent to them, I think you will enjoy Love Bite. We are currently working on our final feature, and we will definitely be announcing that by the next show. I expect to have an interview with Andy Diemini, the director of Love Bite. also looking at an interview with the director of the other feature, and we're going to also have an interview with John Dilworth to talk about Dirty Birdie, the history of this kind of animation, and uh, just kind of bring everything full circle. That's going to be a really cool thing for us to be able to do. Hey. Sponsors. Sponsors. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the folks who are bringing the comedy of horrors to you this year. Of course, Mac and Jacks, the Stalwart supporters, will be returning. They're going to, again, provide us with a little African amber to have a beer special going on throughout the festival.
2: And we have Corner Comics in Kirkland, Washington, helping us out with our prize packs and goodie bags.
1: Along with Dark Horse and Oni Comics. So we're going to have a bunch of comics and graphic novels once again
2: for your drawing and winning pleasure. And Scarecrow Video, also generously contributing to our prize giveaway and sacks of goodness. One of our biggest Kickstarter supporters, Death Star. And we Star. do you mean
1: biggest. <laughs> the mighty Death Star is a sponsor of this year's Film Fest. GT
2: Pring equipment at OffsetWorld.com, PressH2O.com, and fluxo.com continuing their generous sponsorship Of all things, comedy of horrors. They've been here since the beginning, man. From the beginning. They're like Genesis.
1: And we have a new sweets purveyor
2: this year. Why don't you tell the folks a little bit about him? Dolcetta Artisan Sweets. Look, if you like really, really good chocolate and you like the kind of chocolate that maybe you just can't get at your regular store, this is the chocolate for you. Dolcetta Artisan Sweets. A new Seattle venture with some of the finest confectionery available in the Emerald City. We'll be providing each and every one of you with chocolate from their chocolate laboratories. Fantastic. I
1: cannot wait. I saw they had a dark chocolate with pretzel bar. That sounds really?
2: delicious, dude. Yeah. And I don't even know what kind we're getting. I don't even think it's been decided yet, but it's happening. I'm looking forward to it.
1: All right, once again, Stalker Farms has joined the supporters. Thank you again to Dan and the folks from Stalker Farms. And also Alternative Cinema, who sent us a big box of DVDs, again, to put into our prize packs and to give away during the drawing. So we've got a lot of fantastic stuff coming from them as well. Great horror
2: films. Games and gizmos. We have a lot of longtime supporters here, don't we? Games and Gizmos. It's it's true. I think folks
1: enjoy partnering with us. They like what we do, and uh, we definitely work hard to get their name out there.
2: Yeah. So, go buy your games and your Gizmos there.
1: That is, of course, the uh, host of the Bone Battle as well. They're a great game shop. Remember, uh, a couple years ago, I got you a copy of Formula One for the family at Christmas time? I do. Bought it at Games and Gizmos. Aw yeah they're definitely i feel like they're almost a member of the family awesome to have them supporting us again also another kickstarter supporter gg silverman is author of a brand new book called the vegan teenage zombie huntress and uh her book cover is on the poster she's also going to be doing a reading at the film festival how cool is that
2: is it going to be one of those boring sad readings?
1: no it's going to be hilarious I, I love the fact, again, you know, we have a, a local sweets company. We've got a lot of homegrown stuff. And to, to have a book author doing a
2: reading that's local, I, that means the world to me to be able to do stuff like that. Speaking of local, Seattle Geekly, Matt and Shannon, longtime friends, they are supporting the film festival, not just by showing up and being awesome, but by helping us make it happen financially.
1: That's right. They were big Kickstarter supporters. Thank you again to Matt and Shannon. And you can listen to Seattle Geekly every Thursday at seattlegeekly.net. Do not miss it. It's one of the best podcasts around, keeping you informed on all the great, awesome nerdiness in the Northwest. Paizo Publishing also returning to the film festival. They were kind enough to present a Pathfinder Adventure card game For the Bone Battle, that was one of the games that we were able to play there. They also gave us some more plush goblins, some big, fat role-playing source books, another copy of Pathfinder Adventure card game, and some booster packs to give away at the festival. So a lot of great stuff
2: for the drawing. And then, our new best friend and Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors uber-supporter, Jerry Cooch.
1: Jerry... Basically made Kirby Crackle happen by himself. Jerry is the man. Round of applause for Jerry!
3: Yay!
1: We made him a bitchin' logo. Gordon made him a bitchin' logo.
2: I did. I hope. I hope he likes it. I think He's got he does. That little arrow pointing to him like this guy. Well, yeah.
1: Because somebody might ask, who the hell is Jerry Cooch? That guy. That guy. That's, guy. That's him right there. That's Mister Awesome. Helping the film festival happen. We love having his support. And we have a brand new sponsor this year. Now, you know the kind of store I always used to love going into is... A head shop. No, not at all. No, kind where you put the quarters in, the the arcade No, not that either. The, The kind of store where you go in and they've got everything you want. They've got like a ton of used DVDs. They've got CDs. They've got vinyl. All your entertainment needs are met at great prices. You don't see UCD stores around the way you used to back in the day. No, you do not. You do not. But these guys are making it work in an absolutely wonderful store. They've got like an entire section of psychotronic horror that has hanging over the racks severed drive-in movie speakers. It is the coolest thing. They've got great stuff. I wanted to watch Gamera with my son. Couldn't find it any of the places around stopped into Vortex and found a copy right there on the shelf. We watched it, we enjoyed it. It was a blast. So, Vortex Music and Movies, awesome place for used music and movies in Totem Lake, Kirkland area. Stop by and check them out. Whew. And of course, the Bone Bat Show, mightywombat.com. You know they're there for you. And
2: bonehand.com.
1: So that is all of the moving parts that are going into building this year's Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. Also, let's talk a little bit about the art for this year's Comedy of Horrors. Hey, let's do it. So uh, it was kind of cool how this came together. We went to Nick, Nick Gucker, who did the amazing art for our film festival last year with the giant two-headed bone bat skeleton, Crushing Seattle. We went to him and we said, Nick. Nick. After Crushing Seattle. Where does our where does our mascot go from there? And he came up with a fantastic answer.
2: Outer space.
1: Exactly. So as you can see on this year's poster, more with green and blue overtones this time, the two-headed skeleton is in a Mars Attack style saucer, materializing in front of a drive-in movie screen and
2: vaporizing the clientele. At least the popcorn. No, the popcorn's still alive. I guess it's the clientele that had the popcorn.
1: <laughs> is it alive? Like, wasn't it like live popcorn in Killer Clowns from Outer Space? I think so. I kind of imagine that that is the movie that was being shown on the screen when the Bone Bat spaceship appeared and started You're probably right. Yeah, that that just seems all too appropriate, doesn't it? It does. So Nick did the art for this year's fest, and then LX hurts. A new person on the art scene did the color. So we got to thank LX for her work on the poster as well. as Nick. Nick Nick for his inks. Fantastic artwork, fantastic vision. Again, what a great job he did. Thank you so much to both of you for your work. And Gordon did a lot of the text work, the fonts, getting everything set up to print. The posters are at the printer now. I'm going to be picking them up tomorrow and the next day. We're going to have them really soon. I basically
2: just showed up and complained. That's what I do. That's what you do best. Yeah. Well, everyone's got something they're good at. Except me, so I complain.
1: So that is all of the moving parts that are going into building this year's Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. I hope you can make it. The tickets are on sale now at BoneHand.com. The tickets are 30 bucks from now until, I think, uh, April 11th when they'll go up to 35 So this is your chance to get in. If you missed the initial run of tickets with Kickstarter, you can still get your tickets now at a lower price. That's definitely the thing to do. And uh, from when we're recording this, it's exactly a month from tomorrow. So it's coming up on us fast. You don't want to miss this year's fest. Dude, you got a uh,
2: political rant this week? Yeah, sure. I can do a political rant this time. So I hate to ask because I've asked it so many times before, but same-sex marriage. It's been legal for a while now in a lot of places. And and, and here we go, Steve. Yeah. Has your traditional marriage felt under attack? No, not so much. Yeah. Okay. Same here. I've got one of those traditional marriages. Despite the fact I could go out and get married to a dude, I (laughs) continue to not do so and not be tempted to do so. We've not felt pressure to, to switch sides. And, You know, we've been doing that shtick for as long as we've had a show, I think, and the answer is not going to change because it is a patently stupid question. I say that to remind you that even though Steve and I are straight, we've been spouting off on behalf of the gay community for a long time, but gay people, bi people, you are starting to piss me off. You people need to get a name. Get a name and stick with it. This LGB stuff is bullshit, and it has to go. Because it isn't even LGB anymore, it's LGBT now. And it's not even LGBT, sometimes it's LGBTQ and GLBT and LGBTQ+. Plus, plus, what the crap is plus? I'm not even entirely sure what Q is. But if it stands for straight people, then you've pretty much got the entire population of the world covered. That's not what you're going for. Stay with me. And the 1980s, as far as I was concerned, the word gays summed it up in a non-biased way to refer to men and women without having to use the clinical sounding term homosexual, which when you actually use the term clinically was a crazy evil thing because it was supposedly a clinical disorder which could be cured until it was removed from the DSM in 1973. But I digress, gays was nice, gays was easy. It was an easy, quick name to say. But then somehow gays stopped meaning men and women and it became gays and lesbians. Not as easy to say, a little bit longer. I'm not sure why the lesbians needed their own word in there, but once it stuck, you had to say both, gays and lesbians, in order to be politically correct. Then in the late 80s and early 90s, maybe as a backlash against the ungainly gays and lesbians thing, queer made a good run and almost became the word to use. I remember more than once encountering people who were yelling, perhaps while I was sitting on the quad trying to eat my lunch, and they were yelling, we are here, we are queer, and we will not disappear. Well, good for you, I thought. You took a word which was being used as a pejorative against you, and you made it your own. You stripped the word of its power just like the American colonists did with Yankee Doodle. And it was quick to say, and it was easy to rhyme, too. And it probably included bisexual people who never really felt included before, so that was cool, too. Queer was a great word. Alas, queer did not last. And you've been fumbling around for a word ever since. And since you can't decide in a word, now all you've got is a mess of letters and apparently an arithmetic symbol, and not since PRINCE. Have we seen such a clusterfuck of nomenclature? And let me tell you, people, it's hurting your cause. How? Here's how. I can say that I'm for gay rights, and I can say that I'm for same-sex marriage, but I can't say that I support LGBTQ plus rights because nine times out of ten, I literally can't even say it. I practiced in front of a mirror for an hour just to do this damn podcast. Simplify. Pick a word one single word and while i'm on the topic i'd like to address the t part of this group listen to me t people you've got your own set of issues that the l's and the g's and the b's do not have sure some of your issues overlap but a big chunk of that venn diagram is yours and yours alone and do you really want to hitch your name to theirs think about it because some things are tough to reverse and i think you know what i'm talking about So to all you folks who do not consider yourself straight, dump the alphabet soup. Find yourself a catchy one or two syllable word and make it your own. That is my political rant. Okay. Okay. LGBTQRS elemental P O M G B B Q E R B. Stop it! Well, dude, maybe it's
1: just because it's not a marketing issue. I mean, there is no umbrella organization that encompasses all these disparate groups. So how hard must it be to come up with a single
2: name? Well, that's the problem is there isn't one or maybe maybe it's not a problem, but there isn't one organizational body for that group or really any other group of that size, unless it's a country, but still the communities themselves have to at some point realize that identifying themselves by six or eight letters and uh, an arithmetic symbol is just jackassic stupid (laughs) and stop doing it. All right. Well,
1: how about another tune? How about a tune? Let's check out another one from Green Jello. This is from the 1994 album 333. Ironically enough, the bear song. Check out the scorching solo at the end of this one. Wow. Once again, that was the Bear song by Green Jello from the album 333. Again, you can find their stuff at jello sucks with two X's.com. Go there for history, photos, news, tour dates, all kinds of information about Green Jello. Also, you can get their music via iTunes. So if you dig these
2: songs, throw them a few bucks, man. Keep them on the road. Yeah, man. You can get it on iTunes, so do so. All right, Multimedia Triage? Multimedia Triage. So I told you, I've been playing World of Tanks, right? Yeah. Yeah, fun on the Xbox, but I do feel like I have to throw one caveat out there. You can play this game for free, and you can have a great time, and you can do well, and you can compete. However, if you want to level up faster, if you want a few other perks, if you want more powerful ammunition in finite supply, you can spend real money to do so. But the crappy thing is, if you buy a premium membership, you buy them for blocks of time, say three hours or a week or three months or a couple days, what have you, it's the time that passes, not the time you spend playing the game. And if they have a server issue, which they have had a couple of lately, where you can't play the game, The clock is still ticking. So you're paying for a product which you are not receiving. And that's kind of crappy. Wow. So. That's
1: kind of different than, well, I guess, you know, Xbox Live, you pay for it for a year. If you don't play for a year, you still pay for it.
2: Yeah, that's true. You're buying it for months at a time. But you could conceivably buy three hours of premium and then not be able to use any of it.
1: Really? So World of Tanks, you rent it like a hotel room by the airport?
2: (laughs) Yeah, And you're putting quarters in that vibrating bed. (laughs) Hey, speaking of something that should be a lot better than it was, I saw the movie Plus One. Didn't even know that there was a movie called Plus One. I'm surprised. It's streaming on Netflix. I'm a sucker for time travel movies. And this is kind of a neat premise. It involves time travel of just about 30 minutes in the future. But, uh, boy, it, it doesn't work. The idea is there's this great big college age partay and there's a meteor strike and it causes some sort of electrical temporal anomaly where what has happened about half an hour ago is happening again. And so you get two alternate versions of time overlapped on each other and they start getting closer and closer together. It's a cool premise, but it starts off kind of dopey and it gets dopier as it goes on. And by the end, it's an absolute mess of a movie. I would not recommend watching Plus One at all. <laughs> okay. The only potential upside is when your people start encountering their duplicates. And at one point, some of the duplicates decide to kill each other. And uh, at least one pair of uh, female duplicates decides to start making out. I don't know. I don't think I would do either of those things if I encountered my duplicate. I'd probably sit down and play Xbox with me.
1: You wouldn't start making out with yourself?
2: No, I've seen what I look like, and I'm not an attractive man. (laughs) And then on the complete opposite end of things, I saw the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes? Yes, by Wes Anderson, not to be confused with Wes Craven. How does it compare with his other work? Well, I like his other work, and I like this. If you like his movies, you know, I realize you don't like the band Cake, but it's kind of like a Cake album. You don't know what you're going to get, but you know how it's going to be served. He's got the same style. He's got the same tropes and the same things he likes to do. And they're wonderful. And then he puts a story in it. Yeah, there's, Uh,
1: I find not all of his films are created equal though. Like Rushmore, really loved.
2: Yeah. You and I annoyed the other people in the theater when we watched that. Yeah,
1: laughing very loud, including my wife. Mm-hmm. She wasn't. Uh, Life Aquatic though I didn't like that one so much <laughs> Yeah that kind of fell apart Owen Wilson was awful in that movie The Magnificent Tannenbaums or whatever I like that one Royal so, Tannenbaums Yeah so they're you know Some of them are good some of them are less than good I, I What could about go The fabulous way. Mr. Fox Did you like that? I didn't actually see that one Dude
2: It's a kid's stop movie Stop motion animation know. that was a great All movie Alright right, I'll check it out and It wasn't a kid's movie either so It was a don't kid's movie And what about uh, Moonrise Kingdom? I haven't seen it. Perfect movie. An absolute 5 out of 5 star, 10 out of 10 star, 100 out of 100 star movie. That is a perfect movie. You're doing yourself a disservice by not seeing it. All right, I will check it out. You're less of a person.
1: (laughs) You're not a man.
2: (laughs) Even your balls are made of pussy.
1: (laughs) Speaking of which, Archer last night. Hilarious. Oh, geez, I think I cried. That was really a good episode. It was funny because I was explaining to Gordon this morning what I thought of that episode. And I got like the audible version of a blank stare. <laughs> 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 it the, the construction of the episode, it goes like this. Oh,
2: God. You're going to do this again?
1: Archer and the gang are talking about an adventure that just happened. And they're all sitting around and they're basically riffing and making jokes At each other's expense. And it almost felt like the way the writer's room must be for that show. Where they all sit around and they come up with ideas and they just throw stuff out like crazy. And the jokes are coming fast and furious a mile a minute. And so it almost seemed like it was deconstructed into an episode of the show itself. And Gordon, I I don't think he got what I was saying or thought it was particularly insightful.
2: (laughs) I got what you were saying, Uh, the second part was correct. Yes, but... uh, it was hilarious. I, I got to say that. Yeah. So what have you been, uh, wasting your time on?
1: Okay. Uh, first I want to review, uh, I mentioned last episode, I watched, uh, Kevin Tenney's Witchboard from 1980, what, seven, uh, and, uh, Scream Factory sent along another movie to go along with that, Night of the Demons. Do you remember that film? I don't think I saw that film. Night of the Demons takes place on Halloween night and, uh. It's basically a group of kids looking for a party, and this, this one girl, Angela, who is kind of the weirdo at school, has set up a Halloween party with her good friend, who's played by Linnea Quigley, to host this Halloween party at a decrepit old funeral parlor that like, lays on top of an Indian burial ground.
2: <laughs> oh, no, not the Indian burial. <laughs> right,
1: I mean, yeah, it just or, or it's over some kind of an evil thing with an underground river. There's plenty of geological explanation that is not really all that important. And basically, they get to the house, people start becoming possessed, and madness goes on. The film actually sort of loses its focus, I would say, two-thirds in. And you're just like, you have scene after scene a freak out, but nobody's really working that hard to get out of the house. It almost has a dreamlike quality, sort of similar to like Phantasm, but maybe with not Coscarelli's originality or Verve necessarily. But still a good film, and this Blu-ray presentation of it from Scream Factory is pretty fantastic. Uh, again, everything in it looks just crisp and clear and bright. The blood looks bloody, just like it should. Linnea Quigley's boobs look perfect. It just has... It is a well-presented horror film. Although, i got to say, maybe Night of the Demons is not one of my favorite of the genre from that period. But, uh, it's definitely a great presentation. Lots of extras. Again, uh, really nice documentary. uh, A bunch of contemporary interviews with actors and actresses who were in the film. Talking about the making of it. And, uh, definitely worth your time for the hardcore horror fans. So, again, probably this one for me would be a rental. I don't know if I'd buy this one. But, uh, it's definitely worth watching once. Uh, I don't know if I'll go on to Night of the Demons 2 and 3. They made three of those. Wow. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if I get around to that. But this is definitely a top quality package. Game-wise, the last couple of days I've been playing uh, Hearthstone. Do you know that game? I know of that game. So it is uh, put out by Blizzard, the folks who bring us cool things like Warcraft and Diablo and less cool things like World of Warcraft. (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i didn't mean to piss off uh, all the wow fans out there
2: uh but uh you worry about me pissing off the transsexuals yes
1: (laughs) (laughs) they will both beat our ass that's true anyway uh hearthstone is a uh an online version of a collectible card game where you play against other people But you don't really have much contact with the other people. There are a couple of little canned sayings that you can throw up, but that's it. So it's perfect when you want to play with somebody else and play against a live human mind, but you don't really want to deal with human bullshit. That's good. That's me. Excellent format for exactly that. You start out with a deck of some sort of a fantasy hero. So like a wizard or a cleric or a hunter or a warrior, whatever it is. And as you beat other people, you get access to the cards in their basic deck. So very quickly you accumulate cards from a bunch of different decks. And then as you move on, you can open booster packs that you can basically win as you level up your skills at each level. It's a really fun, light sort of a format to it. It's easy to play, very intuitive, very colorful. The animations as the cards fight each other is really cool. It's got little comments and sounds that come from each of the little cards, like, job's done. You know, stuff like that that you'll remember from Warcraft will make appearances in this as well. And it is a really fun card game. I would recommend it for your kids. Wait a minute.
2: Is it a card game or is it an online? It's an
1: online card
2: game. Oh, an online card game. Okay, so PC? Yes. iOS? Everything. It's it's basically web-based,
1: but you download a widget for Battle.net. So it connects to Battle.net. Like it's in my same account for StarCraft Two, for instance, and Diablo Three.
2: Oh, God. All right.
1: But it's free. Absolutely free to play. Didn't cost you a thing. If you didn't did want work? to throw money at it, you could do so and purchase additional booster packs. So that's okay. how they get you money-wise, as they sell you more cards. And one of the early challenges in the game is that I was kind of getting my ass kicked pretty early on because I didn't customize my deck with the new cards that i had won so yeah. you should definitely if you start it like play a level or two and immediately incorporate those new cards in your deck make a custom deck i know at first it'll feel weird because you don't really know how all the cards work together but they're definitely more potent cards than the stuff that you're given initially and you, you know the first time you come up with you know there's a lot of like okay this character that i i played he's got a attack of three and he's got two hit points And then somebody will come out with, like, a five hit point card that kills all of your guys. And so, yeah, as soon as you're able to accumulate some of those cards, making your deck more potent, that's when you start to see some success. But I'm having a really good time with it. It's a lot of fun. And, again, you can't beat free.
2: No, free is really hard to beat.
1: But definitely a high-quality product. I mean, really good-looking game, easy to play, and a lot of fun. Like I said, I'd recommend it to your kids. They should check it out. If they like... You know, playing Pokemon, playing Magic, any of those type of games, they would dig this. All right, cool. That's about it for me. How about you? Anything else? No. What else do you want out of me? Uh, About another tune, then. Okay. Here's a little uh, throwback to, again, 1993 and green jello. This is Electric Harley House of Love, a little hair metal for you. Once again, Green Jello's work can be found at Green Jello Sucks with two X's, S U X X dot com. Check out their work there. Thank yous. Of course, I'd like to thank Bill and Green Jello for allowing us to feature their music on the show tonight. Yeah, thanks, man. Again, I would like to thank all the sponsors, all the filmmakers, all the supporters, all the Kickstarter folks, Nick Gucker and LX Hertz, everybody who has helped to make this year's Comedy of Horrors Film Festival a reality. It's happening in a month, and it's all because of you, so thank you.
2: Well, I mean, some of it's because of you.
1: And some of it's because of you, true, I guess. Okay. As long as we're clear. I can accept that. Usual bullshit. Show phone numbers 425-296-6557, or you can reach us via email to steve at bonehand.com. We have new content on bonehand.com
2: quite often, it's also the home of the Heavy Half Hour. Which you update every uh, fortnight, right? Seven years. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> and you can find my stuff such as it is at MightyWombat.com. I've got a Facebook page at MightyWombat.com on Facebook as well. you got to spell out the D-O-T and obviously the C-O-M. I'm on Twitter at Mighty underscore Wombat. I am also on Twitter as
1: BoneHand, and you can find our BoneBat feed there as well with additional film festival news, all the uh, Twitter tags for the different filmmakers that we can find. Uh, You'll be able to follow a lot of what's going on right there at that feed. Uh, We also have a BoneBat page on Facebook. Wow, we're everywhere. We really are. And stop by the Comedy of Horrors event page on Facebook often. I'm posting a new film trailer every day there, along with some other cool surprises. That's where we first debuted the poster and a lot of other cool stuff. And thank you for listening. If you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend. Please. All right, one last tune tonight. Uh, You know this one. Perhaps it is the most famous or infamous song by Green Jello from their serial killer soundtrack album, the Three Little Pigs. Little pig, little pig. you let me in? I hope you dig it. I'm sure you will. Once again, thank you for listening. This is Steve.
2: This is Gord. Have a good one. I do have a good one.
3: Why don't you sit right back and I, I may tell you a tale. A tale of three little pigs and a big
0: bad wolf!
2: should not be allowed to have a microphone.